How do you experience Jesus? My husband and I recently asked me a very interesting question about a person we both know. How do you experience him? It wasn't what do you think of him, how has he treated you, or what do you think he's like? Because of the unusual phrasing, how do you experience him, it really got me to thinking. Not just about that person, but more importantly, about Jesus. Which leads me to the question, how do we experience Jesus? Some experience him like a buddy that you can do all sorts of fun things with, but don't really have to take too seriously. Others may consider him as their generous grandfather who will give whatever they need. Still others may consider him a close confidant, a friend even, but the communication really only goes one way. The probing question, how do we experience Jesus, really looks at the core of our relationship with him and our understanding of who he is. It requires us to consider how we relate to him on a personal, continuous level rather than just on a Sunday meeting level. And if we're honest, it requires that we go beyond the platitudes of the expected. He's almighty God, awesome friend, wonderful savior, generous, loving father. It demands that we put faith and reality together to explain our interaction with him. Understanding the meaning of the word experience will help. Experience means the practical contact with or observation of facts or events, or the personal involvement in or observation of events as they occur. Another source defines it as the act of living through an event. An example would be that we don't really understand loss or love for that matter until we've experienced it for ourselves. It doesn't matter if you've read about it or watched someone go through it until you've lived through it yourself. You don't really know what it is. It's our personal encounter with such an event that gives us the ability to both understand and speak about it. This is certainly true about Jesus Christ. We may have learned about him in Sunday school or church, heard about him from our pastors or friends, but until We've experienced Jesus ourselves. It's all head knowledge and not heart understanding. For instance, it's impossible to say with conviction that Jesus saves, forgives sin, or answers prayer until we've experienced these things ourselves. Let's take an example of Nicodemus, the nighttime visitor who came to question Jesus. He opens his encounter with Jesus in this way. Rabbi, we all know God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. This Pharisee provides an interesting argument about who he has experienced Jesus to be, a teacher sent by God who does miraculous signs through God. Moreover, he gives the proof that we all know. This suggests that he's been part of the crowd that heard Jesus give astounding teachings. Perhaps he was with the group of religious leaders that heard him teach in the synagogues. Or he might have heard Jesus say, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. Or maybe his heart was touched by Jesus' instruction, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. He might have seen Jesus heal the paralyzed man or ate the bread miraculously provided for the 4,000. 
Clearly, Nicodemus had been discussing the words and miracles of Jesus with others, and together they determined that these signs were evidence that Jesus walked with God. But for Jesus, this wasn't enough. Being impressed with his words and his miracles wasn't a sufficient sign of faith, and so he probed deeper. Unless you are born again, Nicodemus, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus wanted Nicodemus to have a personal encounter with God beyond simple observation of events. He drew it home for Nicodemus. You must be born again. Saul's encounter on the Damascus Road shows us what that looks like. He was there when Stephen said, Look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. He saw Stephen's face glow like that of an angel. And despite what he saw and heard, he was still in hearty agreement with those who stoned Stephen. He'd experienced the testimony about someone else that someone else had about Jesus, but it wasn't sufficient to change his mind. It wasn't until Jesus met him on the way to Damascus, until the bright light of heaven drove Saul to his knees, until he himself heard the voice calling to him, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. That was when Saul experienced Jesus for himself, not the telling, but the knowing. What about Lydia of Philippi? The Holy Spirit had prevented Paul from preaching in Asia and instead of called him to Macedonia. Immediately, Paul and his friends boarded a boat and headed to that region, traveling until they reached Philippi, a major Roman colony in that area. As the chief object of worship there was the sun god Apollo and there was likely no active synagogue in that city, Paul and his friends headed down to the riverbank where they thought people might be holding a prayer meeting. There they met Lydia from Thyatira, a city renowned for their purple dyes. Lydia was not only a successful businesswoman, but she was also a worshiper of God. Clearly she was hungry for the word, for she listened attentively to Paul's preaching. But then something else happened, something more. His message went beyond words for her to personal revelation, for the Lord opened her heart and she accepted what Paul was saying. She did more than listen with her mind, she listened with her heart. As Jesus said, everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me, for the Father draws them to me. Unlike so many others, she didn't need to see miraculous signs to be impressed with the power of God. She simply needed to hear about Jesus to believe that he was the one, the forgiver of sins, the savior of all humanity. And as the scriptural account tells us, she is the first European convert. Lydia is an example of the seed that fell on fertile soil and produced a crop a hundred times as much as had been planted, as Matthew 13 says. For as Jesus explains, the seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word. This is the evidence because her immediate desire for baptism moved her, along with other household members, to be baptized. 
Additionally, she also opened her home to Paul and his friends, both as an expression of hospitality, but also to continue to hear his teachings about Jesus. Moreover, Lydia's commitment to her faith and her new friends was steadfast for following Paul's imprisonment and his redemptive encounter with the jailer. She welcomes them back into her home where they continue to meet with and encourage the believers. Lydia followed up her faith with action as Paul instructs, opening her heart and her residence for a home church. Furthermore, though Paul is not reported to have traveled to Lydia's home city of Thyatira, Revelation 2.18 indicates that a church was started there whose love, faith, service, and patient endurance was commended by God. Whether through Lydia or members of her home church, the message of the gospel extended beyond the Macedonian city of Philippi into Asia Minor. Each of these people experienced Jesus in a profound, life-changing way. Nicodemus received him as the one who welcomes him into the kingdom of God. Paul believed him to be the son of God who forgives sins and makes us right with God. And Lydia experienced him as the light of the world who took her from darkness into everlasting light. How do you experience Jesus? Have you only heard about him from others? Have you only experienced him from a church service or a television program? Or have you had a personal encounter with the living eternal one who is the Lord of all and calls you by name for you are his? Seek him today. He wants to open your heart to all that he has for you. God bless you, beloved. God bless you.